So we just finished Thanksgiving this last week. Can you believe it? Some people don't really like how Thanksgiving like bleeds into Christmas. But I have to be honest, I kind of do. But the reason that I like how Thanksgiving bleeds into Christmas is because I love Christmas lights. They're like my jam. And that is why we're putting up lights on our house to have them all year round. Because I love lights and I love the warmth. And so here we are. We hopefully have given a lot of thanks for the things that we have, recognizing how blessed we all are. And we're going into Christmas. So what are things that you love about Christmas? Like if you were just to sit for a minute and write literally for a minute all of the things that you love about Christmas, I'd be curious about what your list looks like. I know on my list, I would have the Harrington family Christmas party just because, let's be honest, when you get 80 to 90 people in one place, ages uh, six months to 70 plus, it's a blast. And the conversations that you can have are insane and they're amazing. So that would definitely be one. One of my other favorite things about Christmas, I love to sit in my living room and just look at my Christmas tree or sleep under the Christmas tree. I don't know how many of you out there have done that where you've slept under the Christmas tree with the lights. Love it. The other thing, though, or probably my favorite thing about this time of year is how easy it is. Like, easy, easy to focus in on the Savior. All kinds of people are talking about him. All walks are talking about him. The world, for whatever reason, has decided that we will all gather around this holiday. And even those who are or claim to be agnostic or anti-religion, they still gather around the holiday itself and embrace pieces of the holiday. President Russell M. Ballard taught, quote, the gospel is a gospel of love, love for God and love for one another, close quote. I'm going to read that again because I love like one-liners. The gospel is a gospel of love, love for God and love for one another. Elder Ballard. Why would President Ballard teach this particular concept? And why would this concept be important at this time of year? Well, in John, 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 and Jude, we're going to find part of the answer to that question. That's just fun. Uh, John, John, John. I like when we sing the song. When you get to the end of the song, you're like, John, 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 Jude, Bradley. Right, seriously, it's fun. But John, 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 and Jude are going to help us answer this question. That being said, I have a really important question for you to kind of let boil in the back burner as we're talking today. And that question is, how would you describe God the Father? If you and I were having a conversation and I said, hey, Sherelle, who is God to you? How would you answer that? How would you describe him? I'm going to own when I think of God, to some extent, I think of someone kind of built like my dad. My dad was large. And by large, I mean, he had like a 56 inch chest his forearm and his biceps were so large he couldn't physically touch his own shoulders. Like we'd sometimes joke with him and ask him to do that and he couldn't. And he was just very, very muscular. And 
when he entered the room, he was very much in control of what was happening in that room. You knew that he entered. Now, when I try to think of God and describe God, he's somebody that is my dad. Not like my dad, like the same personality, but my dad, like the build, like the commanding force, like this presence, right? I also think of him as approachable as my dad was. I knew for much of my life, I can't say all of my life, but for much of my life, I knew that I could approach my mortal father with nearly anything if not everything. Likewise, I know that I can approach my Heavenly Father with everything, and I do. Like, he and I, we chatted out a lot. So one of the things that I love is John tries to describe for us God. And if you remember with me, John was on the Mount of Transfiguration, so he's seen him. He has an eyewitness approach to what it is describing here. And so we jump into 1 John chapter 1, verse number 5, and we find this piece of description about him. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I love this description of him that God is light. But again, I think part of the reason that I love it is because I have such an affinity to light and how lights penetrate darkness that if there is even a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of light, it's visible as opposed to darkness. Darkness can never completely cover light and light will always shine in spite of darkness. So in 1 John chapter 2... He provides us with some deeper insights on what we should be doing with this light. So let's look at 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start in verse number 8. And there's a JST in there. So we got to make sure that we get that right. Verse 8. And again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing was of old ordained of God and is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. I love that darkness is past and the true light shineth. Why is darkness past? Well, because darkness can no longer win because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Christ makes it possible for his team to win. And he makes it possible via the atonement. So darkness can no longer win. Why? Because the true light, Christ, shines out in that darkness. But That darkness is also seen in the true light where you and I can access it. One of the best places to fill of the Lord's light is the temple. I had a very unique opportunity at the beginning of the month, and that was to go to the temple and see my one of my older brothers sealed to two of his children. What was really cool about that experience was to have all of my siblings at the temple with me. I loved that the day was a beautiful, bright, sunshiny day outside. And I love that when we were in the temple, you could feel the peace. And sitting in the celestial room, there was this amazing light. 
See, the Lord wants us to have light in our lives. But sometimes we feel like this. Look at verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. Or in other words, anger clouds our vision and makes it so we have less light. I'm going to say that again. Anger clouds our vision. Now, the interesting thing about anger, if you were to talk to some psychologists, is that anger is a secondary feeling, the secondary emotion. Anger is usually generated because something else is lying underneath. But it's the anger that causes us to, let's be honest, carry those grudges, right? Want to get back, retaliation. And we live in a world where anger is a driving force of the events that are happening around us. And so John reminds us in verse 10, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Love others, you get light. 11, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Darkness can blind our eyes. And what does that look like? Well, I'm going to pick on one of my older brothers and we'll call him Lon because that's his name. It was quite some time ago, my siblings and I had the opportunity of going to the movies one night together. If you know Lon and you know him well, you know that his vision back in the day, not so great. In fact, of all of us, I think he had the worst vision unprescribed before my mom realized the guy could climb on the top of the house and just jump off because his astigmatism was so bad he didn't realize how far he was jumping, right? So Big Lon had decided that he was going to go in and get the surgery, right? Lasix for his eyes so he wouldn't have to wear his contacts anymore because there are some of us that we've been wearing contacts since, you know, 11 years old. And in order to do this, Lon had to wear glasses and let his eyes rest from his contacts. And it was during that period that we'd all gone to the movies together. Well, for whatever reason, Lon determined that particular evening that he didn't need his glasses. And, and who does, right? When you're watching a movie, that screen's big enough. You can see it. And so he didn't have his glasses. Well, we send him out to get our popcorn refilled and to make sure that it has the right amount of butter that we wanted on it. Well, he brings the popcorn bucket back into the movie theater and a couple of my siblings began eating the popcorn only to spit it out. And they say, Lon, why is there mustard on this popcorn? To which he responds, wait, what? And they say, yeah, why is there mustard all over this popcorn? To which he responded, well, I, I just saw the yellow thing and thought that that was butter. Obviously, I was wrong. He experienced a moment where he was walking in darkness. He really could not discern if it was mustard or butter. Sometimes you and I are like that. We wander out of the warm embrace, the light of the Savior. And we allow ourselves to walk in paths that are clouded and dark because of the emotions that we allow to permeate inside of us and to resonate with us in place of looking towards the Savior. But I'm here to challenge us and say, let's save the mustard for the hot dogs because that's where it goes, not the popcorn. See, 
As John continues to teach us, he teaches us a couple of really important principles. First John 3, let's take a look at verse number 16. First John 3, 16, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? Christ loved us and he laid down his life. And you and I now have an opportunity not to lay down our lives for him, but to live our lives for him. So I want to give you challenge number one, and it's pretty straightforward. Invitation number one, will you light the world? Will you light the world by participating in daily activities that are provided to you by light the world? The past few years, my family has tried to participate in that. Some years we do really well. Some years we do okay. One of my favorite things, though, about lighting the world are the giving machines. So if you are somewhere near where there is a giving machine, can I also issue the second invitation? Will you take time to go to a giving machine? I know that it will impact you. One of my favorite memories is telling my primary children that I was gonna go to the giving machine and I was gonna buy a goat. Now, I'm gonna be really honest, I had no idea how much that goat was gonna cost. I also had no idea how expensive a goat could be, but I did make my way to those giving machines and I did take a time to buy that goat and it was an amazing experience. So I bought that goat and I was really excited about that goat. I shared it with my primary children and then they shared experiences with me about how they had participated in things that they had purchased at those giving machines. I had one young kid say, I really thought that I was going to get a goat right there out of the machine, not realizing that it was just going to be the card that was going to drop. But uh, love talking to them about their experience. That same chapter, if we jump over to verses 23 and 24, we get this. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandment dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us and the spirit which he hath given us. We're commanded, friends, to love one another. And we've talked about this before. I know we have, where we've talked about that you can love without serving but you cannot serve without loving. I know that as we take the time this holiday season to serve others, to give the most important gift of all, which is the gift of self, that when we do that, we will be blessed and those efforts will be magnified. But what happens is sometimes we feel this. I grew up in a family that was very much pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? Like you don't back down, you stick with it till it's done. And that may mean that you might come out of it, you know, totally beaten up emotionally, sometimes even physically, depending on what it was, but you stick with it until the job is done, especially if you've committed to do that job. The world that we live in, and I honestly believe part of it is because of experiences that we've had as a collective whole, with one of those experiences being COVID. It is no mystery that since COVID, there has been uh, higher accounts of anxiety, higher accounts of depression, higher accounts of inability to interact. And candidly, because of all of the different types of electronics and things that we have, our, our mode of communication and our ability to communicate 
in a spoken form, one with another, and in a written form. Hence the reason why I've challenged you to like hand write some stuff. By the way, I did do the thank you card thing, just saying. So one of the things that we do is, is we begin to have fear. And John wants to try to address this. He wants us to understand something about fear. Look at verse 18 of 1 John chapter 4. I love this verse. If I can only pick one verse of all of the John, 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 this is the verse right here. Here we go. Well, in fact, it's these two verses, 18 and 19. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. I'm going to say that again. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. In other words, there isn't any fear in love. Hence the reason serving kind of makes us feel good. Because there's no fear in that. Because it is an expression of love. And that love casts us out fear. So in other words, we should fear God, but not fear him. Now you may be saying, wait, what? We should fear God, but not fear him? We should fear, one definition is respect. We should respect God, but we should not fear, be afraid of him. Now do you see the difference? We should respect him, definitely. But you and I should not be afraid to approach him. Why? Because there is no fear in love and God is love. How do we know that? Well, look at the very next verse, 19. We love him because he first loved us. We love God because he first loved us. And how do you know that he loves you? Oh, because he's the reason for the season. He sent his only begotten son that he might live and show us the way and then because of his atoning sacrifice allows the opportunity to return to him. So we have two essential questions that emerge. When was the last time that you felt of God loved? When was it? When was the last time that you felt of God's love? I hope that part of you is saying, oh, when I, when I partook of the sacrament on Sunday. For some of you, that was just yesterday. You, you partook of the sacrament. Did you feel of God's love? as those priests represented the Savior, as those deacons represented ministering angels, and maybe more importantly than recognizing when we fill it, or equally as important, better said, in what way can you better walk in God's light and love? And I've just given you a couple of opportunities, right? By light the world, uh, going to the giving machine, but not just during this holiday season, what way can you better walk in light and love? See, I used to think my mom was really funny in what she would ask for for Christmas. And if my siblings are listening, I hope they can remember this and will kind of smile to this. When you would ask my mother what she wanted for Christmas, she would say, I'd like an updated family photo. That's what she would say. Like, it was pretty straightforward. What do you want for Christmas? I have like an updated family photo. She had this wall in our hallway that had pictures of all eight of us with my parents in the center and they were eight by tens and they were family photos that were on the wall. And sometimes those family photos would sit for a few years and like people would literally be a foot taller and some would have facial hair that didn't before and things would change before those photos would get updated. And I used to joke 
that I would never get a photo up there on the wall with kids, which I didn't. But I had started teaching seminary and I, and I almost one Christmas got a group of seminary students to like gather around me like they were my kids so I could at least have a photo with kids on the wall. My photos were always solo and I tried really hard to make sure that they were updated. But like my siblings, I failed miserably uh, on ensuring that every year that that's what she had. But I know that that wasn't the only thing that she wanted. See, in this second epistle of John, he teaches us what righteous parents value. So if you are a youth and you're listening right now and you want to give something really awesome to your parents for Christmas, I'm about to give you the key to making them like ecstatic. We are in Second John and we're going to take a look at verses 4, 5, and 6. Okay, are you ready? Seatbelt on. This is going to be really straightforward. Verses 4, 5, and 6, Second John perfect Christmas gift for the parentals. Here we go. I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as ye have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we loved one another. And this is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in. And I'm going to read those again. And I want you to really listen to what it is that John is saying. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as ye have received a commandment from the Father. What does our Heavenly Father really want from us for Christmas? He wants you and I to walk in his truth, his light. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Now you may be saying, wait, that's a commandment from the beginning? Well, yeah, you remember John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's Christ. So he's saying, yeah, that, that, that's a commandment, love one another. And this is love that we walk after his commandments. Now, I love the next chapter. So John 14, 15 is, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 15, 14 says, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Why does the Savior want us to keep the commandments? To show him that we love him so that we can be his friend. Why do I want to be the Savior's friend? Well, because of, 3 John chapter 1, verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. No, wait, what? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, I mentioned being in the temple with my siblings. One of the things that I didn't mention when I was telling you that was as that sealer stood up and began to talk. And as I sat there next to my husband, next to one of my sisters-in-law, I felt my mother enter the room. She was there. I know she was there. No greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I know what my mom wants for Christmas this year. 
She wants myself, my siblings, my nieces and nephews, my great nieces and nephews to do their very best wherever they are in life to walk in light and the love of God. And that's going to look different for every single member of my family. But the best gift that we can give our parents is to walk, what does he say? Well, walk in truth. Well, what is truth? It's the light and love of God. See, the best Christmas gift really that you can give, the very, very best Christmas gift that you can give, Jude. There's only one chapter, so hopefully you can read the whole book. But in Jude, we look at chapter, we look at verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. What a great invitation. For you and I to keep ourselves in the love of God, well, how do I keep myself in the love of God? Well, I've got to let my light shine. And how do I let my light shine? Will I serve others? And all of a sudden, you should see where this is going. If you have listened to any of my podcasts, you should see where this is going. It's going to the invitation. We need to act. We've got to do something. So will you go and light the world for the month of December? participating in those activities. And if you're near a giving machine, will you take the time to actually go and give? Make it a family event. Everybody will love it. Will you go and share with someone this week when you felt of God's love? I'd love it if you'd share it with me, a time that you felt of God's love. Who knows? It might show up in a podcast. And will you give the best gift that you can this year for Christmas to a loving Heavenly Father and Mother, the gift of obedience and love? I testify that that's what they want. See, I've talked a little bit about who is God to me. Well, when I think of God, I think of my dad, the build, the commanding presence, and the ability to talk to him about anything. But also when I think of God, I think of my heavenly mother, who has to be a lot like my mom, because my mom, she is everything good and soft and kind. And I want to bring her joy. And in so bringing her joy, I know that I'm bringing joy to my Heavenly Father and to my Heavenly Mother. And how do I bring them that joy? Well, he's already told us by walking in truth. So will you walk in truth, participating in Light the World, sharing when you felt of God's love? I mean, testimony meeting this next week, huh? And will you give the best gift, the gift of obedience? Let's help God's light shine this holiday season. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Go and Do podcast. We'd love it if you'd take time to leave us a review and also click follow. We would definitely love to hear from you. And you can reach us by either emailing the Go and Do podcast at gmail.com or following us on Instagram at the Go and Do podcast. I'm going to own. It may take me a minute to get back to you on the email, but it's just because I can't get in. Anyway, would love to hear from you. The Go and Do podcast is created by me, Candace Shu, and produced by Cami Fisher. We hope that you enjoyed your time with us and that you have a good time. Don't be a good time. Let's go and do. We'll talk soon.